glad that you're here today. I turn your attention to Genesis chapter 44. We begin reading in verse 1. Our uh, death ministry is having their conference uh, this weekend as well, the Life Center. Uh, so uh, they are having a great time. Normally they sit in this area. and They are over in the Life Center, and uh, they're having some great services there. Amen. So we're excited for them. Appreciate the great work Sister Patchen does in leading that ministry. Genesis 44 and verse 1, And he commanded the steward of his house, this referring to Joseph, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest. Notice the distinction between verses 1 and 2 as to what belonged to the brothers and what belonged to Joseph. The money they had given, he said, put their own money back in their, their sack. That was the money they had brought to buy the corn from Egypt. But my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money, and he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men went... The men were sent away, they and their donkeys, and when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this in it which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth, and he shall have done evil in so doing? And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And he said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words, God forbid that thy servant should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be the Lord's bondmen. And he said, Now also let it be according unto your words. He with he wit whom it is found shall be my servant and he shall be blameless then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack and he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack our message this morning is simply titled the silver cup would you say that with me today the silver cup God bless you and you may be seated thank you for standing one of the more interesting stories in the Bible, Joseph starts out as a young man with dreams and ambitions because he is the son of Rachel, the beloved wife of his father Jacob, who died giving birth to his younger brother Benjamin. Joseph is loved by his father more than his half-brothers. Joseph is given a coat of many colors by his father. and His father Jacob is not reticent to show this favor, this combination of Ambition on Joseph's part and favor on his father's part serves as a toxic mix of anger and rage for Joseph's half-brothers to the point that they plot to kill him, but they end up selling him into slavery. And as a young boy, Joseph ends up as a slave in Egypt. But he's talented. It doesn't matter where you put a person who has talent and character, they will rise to the top. He's talented. He's eventually promoted to the position of ruler of the house of Potiphar. Potiphar was the chief captain of the armies of Egypt, the most powerful army in the then known world. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph when her husband is away on business and when he refuses her advances, she turns on him and falsely accuses Joseph of rape. Joseph is thrown into prison for a crime that he did not commit, but in time he rises to be the leader of all the prisoners. Once again, no matter where you put a guy, if God's hand is on him, he's like a bobber. He just bounces back up to the surface. During this prison term, he befriends a baker and a butler who were from Pharaoh's house. They have been cast into prison because they had fallen out of favor with Pharaoh. He interprets dreams for them of which he is gifted, and they come true. The baker is executed, but the butler is restored to the king's house. And Joseph asks the butler, now when this happens, remember me. And he promises that he will, but he quickly forgets. Time passes. Pharaoh has a dream that no one can interpret. And the butler then remembers Joseph and his gift to interpret dreams. And so they call for Joseph. And he comes up out of the prison and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. There will be seven years of plenty in Egypt. And then there will be seven years of famine. 
What shall we do? Pharaoh asked Joseph. Joseph says, put somebody in charge of that and have him store up grain for seven years so there will be enough to survive the famine. Joseph says, good idea. Why don't you be the picks Joseph the man? He is in charge of everything Pharaoh says in the land except Pharaoh. Because he's a great leader and because the hand of God is on his life, he prospers and so does Egypt. Sure enough, there are seven years of plenty and Joseph organizes the storage of grain and sure enough just as he foretold the famine hits and Egypt is the only country in the entire area with grain under Joseph's leadership and in addition to the feeding of their own people Egypt is now able to sell corn to other countries for a fair but premium price businessman as well I'm gonna need that other microphone I guess brother Richie this one's going out on me. Now we fast forward all the way to where the brothers are. They've come back and told their dad many years before that something had happened to Joseph. They have his coat. They have blood on it. The father figures that he's been dead for many years. But now the famine hits them as well. They're living over in Canaan's land. And he says, you guys are going to have to go to Egypt and buy some corn. So... They make this long journey, ten of the sons, not Benjamin, but the other ten. They make this long journey across the desert to get to Egypt with money. They bring money to buy corn because they're in a famine like everybody else is. Everybody that buys corn from another country has to stand before Joseph. And Joseph makes a determination as to whether or not to sell grain or corn to people from other countries. And when his brothers appear... They do not recognize Joseph. I guess not. They thought he was dead or a slave or in the bottom of a dungeon somewhere. But when God's in the equation, oh, hallelujah. Some of your, probably some of your friends don't even recognize you right now. They thought you'd be somewhere else, dead, gone, or in prison, but here you are in the house of the Lord. They didn't recognize him. They weren't expecting to see Joseph. But Joseph recognized them. And he begins this series of tests to see if their hearts have changed since they sold him into slavery as a, as a teenage boy. Well, part of the test is that he accused them of being spies and wants them to bring their younger brother Benjamin to Egypt to prove that they're not spies and that they are honest shepherds. And he keeps Simeon, one of the brothers, as collateral and he sends them back to their dad with corn and puts all of their money back in their bag that they had brought to buy corn. When they run out of corn, they've got to go back. The dad says, you guys got to go back to Egypt. We're out of corn. We're in famine again. Everybody's going to die, the kids and the wives and everybody. And they said, Dad, we cannot go back unless we bring Benjamin. And, and Jacob says, you cannot take Benjamin. He loved, Jake. he loved Joseph and Benjamin because they were from the wife that he loved, Rachel. And he'd already lost Joseph in his mind. And he said, you can't take Benjamin. Because if something happens to Benjamin, I will go to my grave he says, I just, I couldn't bear. And the brothers assure him that everything will be okay. And Judah assures his father that he will bring Benjamin back safely. And then Jacob said, well, take gifts for this Pharaoh. Take all kind of gifts, spices and myrrh and honey and balm and nuts and almonds. And take double the money in addition to the money that he returned in your sacks from the last trip in case it was an oversight. And so off they go back to Egypt only this time they're bringing gifts and they're bringing more money and they're bringing their brother Benjamin they stand before Joseph once again he sees his brother Benjamin he has to turn his face because he's so overwhelmed with emotion it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible he's overwhelmed with emotion and, and he sees his younger brother Benjamin and finally he tells the chief steward of his house he says I want you to invite all these men to my house for a feast I want you to go out and kill the calf we're gonna have a big dinner and so the brothers were told and he says uh, the Lord of the land wants to have a feast at his house and he wants all of you to come And they all look at each other and they're not happy about this invitation they're concerned about this invitation and they're all afraid and they're like well, well why is he bringing us to his house Maybe that's where the executions take place. It's because of the money. He put the money back in our bags. He's going to think we stole the money. They'd already been accused of being spies, and so they're just so concerned about this. And 
they told their dad that Benjamin would be safe and and so they go and pull the chief steward to the side, you know. Before they leave, go in the house. He said, hey, we just want to let you guys know something, you know. We got money that was put in our bags last time when we went back. And, and, and we brought it back again. And we brought double. And, we, and we've got gifts and da-da-da-da. And they start telling all this big story. And the chief steward says to them in Genesis 43 and 23, Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I have your money. Notice that. And he brought Simeon out unto them. Remember now, Simeon has been held up in prison the whole time. And he brings Simeon out. And Joseph throws this feast and a huge banquet. But he instructs the cooks to give Benjamin, his youngest brother, five times more food than all the others. All the brothers are eating. I mean, you know, there's a famine in the land. We're not sure if we're going to die, but let's enjoy this meal for right now. So got this you know this big meal going on and they look over at Benjamin and Benjamin keeps getting extra helpings of mashed potatoes <laughs> he's got cream on the corn I mean he's got all kinds of things happening over there and they keep looking over at Benjamin and they're like man he's got a lot of food and Joseph's watching this because Joseph remembers that when his dad gave him the coat of many colors it made his brothers jealous so he's testing them to see if their hearts have changed how are they going to handle it now? Benjamin gets more food than them. They're going to try to steal it. They're going to beat up their brother. Take the food. Says, give Benjamin five times more than everybody else. So much of what happens in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, is an example of God testing us to see where our hearts are. But still, Joseph will not reveal his identity. Sends them back home. But now he tells the servants, put all their money back into their sacks again. But in Benjamin's bag, put my silver cup. He then sends his servants after them. When they find the cup, they bring everybody back to Egypt. And Joseph feigns that he will have to keep Benjamin as a slave for stealing the cup. And the brothers cry and they intercede for Benjamin's life. Saying, please don't keep our brother. We promised our father it would kill our brother. Take us instead, all of us. But you've got to let our brother go home. His absence would destroy our father. Joseph just can't take it anymore. And he reveals himself to his brothers. And they hug and they weep. And they ask for forgiveness. And Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He sent me ahead to prepare so that we would have provision as a family. I want you to go and get dad, and I want you to go and get all of your kids, and, and the families, and the wives, and I want you to all come to this land. God has given us favor. And he sent me ahead to make a way, and this incredible journey that takes place. Well, there are several things that we know about this story. First of all, we know that Joseph is an Old Testament type of Christ. There are numerous things that you will see when you study the life of Joseph, that he is an Old Testament type of Christ. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. He was sold by his brothers. Jesus was sold to the Roman guards by his disciple Judas. He forgave his brothers. Jesus forgave his followers, and he showed mercy. And there's no record in the Bible that Joseph ever sinned. And so we know also that Jesus was without sin. So the, the, there's this incredible parallel throughout all, and there's, that's just a few, but there are dozens and dozens of other examples where Joseph in the Old Testament is a type of Jesus in the New Testament. But the Lord recently gave me another revelation concerning this story as I was reading this account to my sons one night, and I begin to see something in this story that I've never seen before and I've never heard before. In this story, I believe there is an illustration of the relationship that each of us must have in giving to the Lord. First of all, in Genesis 42, 30, the brothers refer to Joseph as the Lord of the land. In telling their father the story of the trip, Joseph was in charge of the land, the corn and the grain and, and their provision. And so they said, Dad, the Lord of the land. They kept referring to Joseph as the Lord of the land. Well, the, the Bible refers to God as the Lord of the harvest. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is in charge of our provision. 
And every time that the brothers brought gifts to him, he returned it back to them in their sacks in addition to the corn. And the Bible says that he would also make provision, not just for the corn, not just for the money they had given, but also in their sacks, he put in there food for their journey and for their animals. The Bible says that the Lord will bless us, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. So that every time whatever I give to the Lord, the Lord finds a way somehow to put it back into my life. Brother Eddie, let me have that sack there. So here's what happens in life. We have this sack, you know, of that we just carry around. You know, this is all of our possessions right here. And we got this stuff that we carry around and we walk through life and we accumulate a little bit here. We accumulate a little bit there. And we, and we have this, uh, this life, this 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years if we're lucky. And uh, the Lord blesses us, puts things in it. And, and we bless the Lord when we can and how we can. And, and this is how God operates. Anything that you give Him, He reimburses. Not always in the exact amount, but in abundance, in ways that you can't always measure, like good health and safety and favor and nourishment. Not just the physical, but in the emotional and in the mental and spiritual areas as well and so these brothers were being tested by the lord of the land just as each of us are tested by the lord of the harvest and there are more than 500 verses in the bible on prayer there's almost 500 verses in the bible concerning faith but there are more than 2,000 verses in the bible on the subject of money and possessions and of the 38 parables that jesus told 16 of them were about money why why is that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, money is actually a test from God. Every blessing is a test from God. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, your loyalties, and your affections. A lot of people today will spend a lot of money on chicken wings and pizza and beer because... Their priority is the Super Bowl. And they're going to have friends over, and they're going to party. Well, guess what we're going to be doing? We're going to be in church talking about tithing. Because everything that happens in life is a test. What is it that you value? You, they say you can tell a lot about a person based on what's in their calendar and what's in their checkbook. What do they spend their time on? What do they spend their money on? So the Lord blesses us and gives us all these things and he's testing us, wanting to see where we are, where our heart is, what do we really care about, what do we really love, can I trust him with more, blah, blah, blah. All of this stuff is happening to us every day just as Joseph was testing his brothers. Joseph wanted to see their heart before he revealed his identity. Jesus wants to see your heart before he reveals his identity. just never known the Lord that way. That's because you've never passed this test yet. When you pass the test of the silver cup, you'll find out that he is your provider, that he's your Jehovah Jireh, that he's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother, that he's more than just a savior. He is a friend. He's a good God. He's my provider and the keeper of my soul. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, nothing will test your heart like giving. Then the Lord showed me something that I've never seen before. The chief steward of Joseph's house revealed it. All the money that was returned to them in their bags were the result of the money they had brought. In fact, in the verses that I read to you, remember, in between verses 1 and 2, I said, notice the distinction. The money that was returned was money they had brought. But in the second verse, he said, but put my silver cup in their bags. My silver cup. All that money that was returned to them was the money they had originally brought. He said it was your money. It was given back as a reimbursement. But now we find that this silver cup is different. It belongs to the Lord of the land. It was his. It was put in their possession. But the ownership of the cup was never in question. The silver cup belonged to the Lord of the land. I believe that God will take what you freely give him and return it and multiply it. But there is something that clearly belongs to God. And if we take it, we are stealing from the Lord of the harvest. You say, well, what is that? Well, Malachi 3.3 3 says, 
And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Remember the cup that was put in the bag was a silver cup? Now you fast forward to Malachi, and the Lord is saying through his prophet Malachi that there is a refiner of silver. Who is that? That's the Lord of the land. That's the Lord of the harvest. That's God Almighty. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purify them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swears and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord. I change. He's a refiner of silver. He's going to determine whether or not there's purity in your heart or there's not. If you've done the wrong thing, it's going to come back to haunt you. If you've not, there's a reward. For I am the Lord, I change not. He's got a constant nature. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you say, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. How have you robbed him? Wherein have you robbed me in tithes and offerings? Malachi is saying that the Lord of the harvest put a silver cup in your back that did not belong to you. And you walked around and hung on to it, pretended it was yours. Ladies and gentlemen, let me break it down for you. All throughout the Bible, there is this principle of paying tithes. 10% of your increase belongs to the Lord of the harvest. That's the silver cup that is put in your bag and in my bag. And the challenge for all of us is, what are we going to do with it? The enemy's tried to convince us that it's just another bill. It's just another something, you know, preachers and churches all over America always wanting more money. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't need your blessing. You need your blessing. Joseph had a billion silver cups. He didn't need that silver cup, but he was trying to find out if they were ready for the blessing of all that Egypt had to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's not God's desire for people that are his people, that are called by his name, to live under the bondage and the slavery and the pressure of financial crisis. But you know what's happened? He put a silver cup in our bag, and we're still fighting with whether or not we should give the silver cup back to him or not. So here's how it works. Here's our bag with all our stuff It's got all kinds of stuff. Way down in here, down in this bag, some. is a silver cup. The Lord says, I want to see if they're ready for this, so I'm going to just put a silver cup in their bag. So he puts a silver cup in our bag. That's that 10% that belongs to him. And we say, thank you very much, Lord. I appreciate it. We put it back in there, and we put it on there amongst all of our stuff. We go to church, and we say, eh, I need to give an offering. Give the church a little something. They don't need much. They got a big church. Pastor drives a nice car, but I think I'll give them a little something. I threw that in for free. So I'm not going to give them a silver cup, but I'll give them a sippy cup. Some of you in this church live in nice houses and drive nice cars and have businesses and you still pay $50 a month to the church as you have for 20 years. I look at the records all the time. I know where all of you are. 
You're not a tither, my friend. You're a tipper. You are not tithing. You are tipping. God has given you a silver cup. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know all I'm struggling with. They were in a famine. They didn't know if they were going to eat. None of us have been in a famine yet. It don't matter how bad it gets, you can still get a meal at McDonald's, a happy meal for $4.99. I mean, none of us know anything really about famine. They were in a famine. So we say, well, the preacher preached about tithing, got me feeling a little bad. Yeah, I'll give him this cup. It's a little bit more. It's not 10%, but it's 3%. Or then we do what some people do that own their own businesses. They hide it all in their business and just give themselves a little salary. And then they just pay on their 10% on their little salary. You can't rob God. Why are you trying to pinch God? It's not even good business to rob from the Lord of the harvest. Hello? So then we say, well, we'll give them this cup. I don't have that silver cup there I want to give them, but I have increased it now to about 4%. You say, well, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because this is what the Lord convicted me about. Somewhere around the middle of last year, the Lord said, you need to look at your tithing. I said, Lord, how can you get on to me about tithing? I'm the pastor. I give 60% of my income back to the church that I could rightfully buy our bylaws take, which I don't take. I was telling the Lord all this, not y'all. Y'all just listen in. I said, I give 60% back to the church. I don't even take it. By our bylaws, it could be my salary. I don't do it. I give it back to the church. And you telling me I don't tithe? I didn't quite say it like that to the Lord. <laughs> the Lord said, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about the church. I said, what do you mean the church? He said, the church needs to pay tithes. 10% of everything that comes in that church needs to go outside of that church and bless other ministries. I said, okay, Lord. If you want your business to be blessed, you've got to pay tithes on your business. Why is that? Because it's the silver cup. The silver cup. All this other stuff here, it's only a part of it. But it's the 10%, the full 10% is what God wants to know whether or not you're willing to give it back to the Lord. Because if I give him anything else, he's not obligated to bless me. It's not until I return the silver cup that he says, I'll bless you. So it's the first 10%. What's the second principle? The second thing that we have to know is that it has to be the first fruits. It has to be the first 10%. Not the last 10%, the first 10%. So we're going to have an object lesson right here, all right? I'm going to give you all a $1,000 object lesson, right? Something else the Lord convicted me. A couple of years ago, the Lord said, how come you always give me the smallest bill in your wallet when the offering comes around? We don't look to the back, we look to the front. At least that's what I did. And I said, well, I'll throw in a couple of ones so it'll look like more, you know. The Lord said, you, start, you need to start pulling from the back of your wallet, not from the front of your wallet. I told my dad that, and my dad said, you know what, the Lord told me the same thing. So sit close to Bishop, you ought to see when the offering comes around. He'll give the biggest bill he's got in his wallet. All right. So I got 10 $100 bills right here. Please don't rob me after church is over. <laughs> All right, come here, Brother Savas. This is your lucky day. This is what happens when you sit down front. All right, so I'm going to put 10 $100 bills down here, all right? They don't all look alike, but they all say $100 on them. Count them, Brother Solace, make sure there's 10 of them there. All right. So now I got $10, $100 bills here. Now, Brother Solace, 
Which one of those is a tithe unto the Lord? Just pick one. Or two of them, however much you think is the tithe. Hurry before they blow away. <laughs> All right. So Brother Sabas picked a $100 bill. How many of you think that this is the correct tithe? Most of you, some of you. Some of you said, I'm not voting. Well, $1,000, what's 10% of $1,000? $100. So it's the right amount. But here's the second question. Because this is how we do. Let's say we make $1,000 a week. That's a pretty good job. We get our bill, and, and Uncle Sam says, thank you very much. We'll take Social Security and everything else they can think of. Then you're like, i got to pay the mortgage, because if I don't pay the mortgage, they'll come repossess my house. Then that goes. Then we're like, well, we got to pay the light. We've got to pay insurance on the car. We're driving the car illegally. And then, well, i got to have some money to eat on. Oh, I forgot. i got to pay tithes on it. Isn't that what happens to all of us? And what happens is God doesn't get the first 10%. He gets the last 10% if there's anything left over. I don't know about y'all, but this is the way some people have their daily prayer life. They start out listening to Good Morning America, Bad, bad Morning America. And you hear all the bad news and they drive to work and then they work and they come home and they deal with the wife and the kids and the blah, 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 blah. Then they get to the end of the day and they're like, I forgot to pray today. So they lay down there and go, now lay me down to sleep. And they're out. They're like, oh, it was good spending some time with the Lord today. If you don't give him the first part of your day, there's not a lot left over at the end. Same thing is true with your finances. So here's what the Lord's been putting on my heart. What we need to do is to give him the first 10%, the silver cup, before everything else happens. The first 10%, not just 10%. Now, I'll go into more detail on all this in scriptures and whatnot tonight. But the first 10%, I even saw when the children of Israel went into Jericho and they conquered 10 cities, or went into Canaan's land, they conquered, conquered 10 cities. But the first city they conquered was Jericho. And the Lord said, don't touch any of the stuff. And if you touch any of it, it's going to be a curse. Here's what happens, folks. If I don't give him the first fruits, everything that flows down from it is cursed. And that's where we struggle. The Bible even talks about how you'll go through life with holes in your bag. Because the ten, if, if, you, if you tie the first 10%, then everything that flows down from it is blessed. But if you, you wait till you get down here, everything ahead of it is not blessed. But if I don't give him that, it's all cursed. So what I've got to do, and I believe you ought to do it before the government. Why should God get paid after the government in Wells Fargo? If he said the first fruits, ladies and gentlemen, give him the first fruits. You've got to get a mindset that that's the silver cup. It doesn't even belong to me. It was put in my bag, but I am not the owner of it. Now, I know it's, it's thank you, Brother Sabas. I'm sorry I don't have any samples to give you. I remember when I was in Bible school in Minnesota, I worked at a bank, and, and you handled money all the time. But it's not your money, Brother Jeff. And people start thinking it's their money because it's in their hands. And we had people get in trouble because they thought, well, I'm just going to take a little loan. I'll pay it back, you know, after I get back from Vegas. But their drawer got audited before they got back from Vegas. And so there were people there with handcuffs in their belt when they arrived to work the next day. We saw this happen more than one time. Why? Because human nature thinks that as long as I'm in possession of it, that I'm the owner of it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand that he is the Lord of the harvest and he owns it all? He gave you the intelligence to even have a job. He gave you the breath that you breathe. If nothing else, give back to God the silver cup so that he can bless your life and you don't have to live under financial pressure all the days of your life. Living under a curse. You don't need to be cursed. God wants you to be blessed. But he can't bless those that are robbing from him. You got to return the silver cup. You got to return it back to him. What's the third part? Not only 10%. Not only the first part, but what's the other? The church. You've got to bring it into the storehouse. 
Isn't that what Malachi says? Bring it into the Lord's house. People say, well, I'm going to use my tithe to help somebody in church that's in trouble. That's not your tithe. Well, I'm going to give it to that guy on television that's got a big smile and a fancy Bible. That's not your tithe. You need to pay tithes, the Bible says, into the Lord's house. And we'll go into this in more detail tonight. But if you look in the Word of God, they always brought their treasure to the house of God. You say, well, I thought that was Old Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, paying tithes is through every period of time. I'm going to give you all the scriptures tonight. Every period of time, even into the darkened years, which is what Malachi was all about, 400 years of silence, the New Testament, and in the millennium, they're paying tithes. That's a time that's not even yet to come yet. It's not even here yet. If you read Ezekiel, they're paying tithes in the millennial period. Why is that? Because it's a principle of God. He gives us the silver cup. All, there's only three things you've got to remember. It's 10% of your increase. My boys the other day, I've been trying to teach them about tithing. I've got these 10-year-old sons. And um, so they've learned, you know, and they give their dollar and they put an envelope and mark tithe and all that on. So they had a birthday recently. And they got some gifts for their birthday. And they got some cash. And uh, they said, Dad, do we have to pay tithes on this? We didn't. It was given to us. As a gift. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Is it increase? They're like, well, what do you mean? I said, is it what you had now that you didn't have before? Yeah. I said, pay tithes on it. God will bless it. Everything that comes down from what you pay tithes on will be blessed of God. Why? Because it's the silver cup. It's what he puts in our possession. With every gift, with every paycheck, there's a silver cup that goes into our bag. What are you going to do with the silver cup? Now, the Bible says this in Malachi. Prove me. He actually says to put him to the test. And to see if he will not pour you on a blessing that you cannot contain. So ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put God to the test. Here's what we're going to do. Now this is the first of the year and we're trying to get off to the right foot. We talked about getting involved last Sunday and being involved in ministry. Today we're talking about giving God what belongs to him. But let's talk for just a minute about how we can prove him, put him to the test. Here's what I'm asking you to join me with. We want to do a 90-day tithing challenge. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to agree this morning that you will tithe the 10%, the silver cup over the next 90 days. Not 7%, not 4%, not 2%, after my taxes, before my taxes. Just give God the silver cup back. 10% first fruits bring it to the house of God, the storehouse, which is what the Bible says to do in Malachi. Now, if you will do that over 90 days, here's what I guarantee you. God will bless you in ways that you may not even be able to measure. And you say, well, what happens if God doesn't bless me? Well, first of all, you'll be the first human being in history that God doesn't bless. But I'll even go beyond that and say that if he doesn't bless you, we'll give you your money back after 90 days. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's better than Walmart. You say, you say, well, well, Pastor, how can, how can you do that? Because I believe the Word of God. Prove me and see if I will not pour you on a blessing that you cannot contain. So, I want you to go into your bulletin right now. There's a card in there that says 90-Day Tithing Challenge. I want you to pull that out. If you don't have a card in your hand or you don't have a bulletin in front of you, just raise your hand. And the ushers are going to come around right now and get these cards in front of you. Just raise your hand. Brother Mason, we got a young man down here, some more over here. Young people maybe didn't get bolted. Brother Eddie, just keep your hands up high. We're going to get these cards around to you. We're going to have a good time over the next 90 days. We're going to have a great journey together. I've got some things I'm going to be sending you through email. We're going to be staying in contact with you. We're going to be sharing the miracles of what happens over the next 90 days. And over the next 90 days, I want you to commit to give 10% of your income. You say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I already pay tithes. Well, commit again because God will honor it. Prove him and put him to the test. And there's a category up there on your left-hand side. You say, well, Pastor, I've always wanted to pay tithes, but I just, I can't, I, I never, I don't know if I can afford it. You can't afford not to do it. I said, you can't afford not to do it. 
Just 10%, the silver cup, just, it doesn't belong to me. God put it in the bag. He's the Lord of the harvest. But he expects for me to return it back to him. And on the left-hand side, you can put there never given, an occasional giver, or a regular giver. Maybe you've been in church for a while and, and you've paid tithes, but you've got to go back and you've got to look at it and say, wait a second, am I paying a full 10%? Am I paying a full 10%? You say, I don't know if I am or not. Well, here's how you can figure out. You can get your contribution statement from Sister Richie, and you can take that, look at ties, and then compare that to your W-2 that you're getting right now from your job. If it's not 10%, ding, 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 ding. It's a substitute cup. God don't want the sippy cup. God doesn't want the Lightning McQueen cup. God doesn't want the cup that won't spill when you're driving to work. God wants to know, are you willing to return the silver cup. I got a great video I want to show you right now of a person who started tithing and God blessed him in an incredible way. While you're filling out the cards, watch this. while it was in decline. And we grew it for a couple of years. In 2007, at the end of that period of time, we were on the track to be successful and then the economy. And sales were flat for 2007, for 2008, 2009, 2010, and 2011. Midway through 2012, we started having some growth. That's about the time we joined the First Pentecostal Church. Early 2013, I began to tithe from the business. We noticed that the growth was about 10% per month over the previous year. And this continued throughout the spring and then into the summer. Late summer, around September, we took a look because our growth was very good. We took a look at October and realized that there was no way that we were going to hit the numbers for October with a 10% increase. Last year had been just an astronomical October, and we weren't going to come close. On the September 30th, that was a Monday, I told the staff, I told three people, that the only way we could hit our number is for the Lord God Almighty to intervene. Three days later, I received a phone call from a commercial account. I picked up some samples and we did the evaluation. We found out that our price point was going to be higher than what they had expected. And all weekend long, I petitioned the Lord, let me know if this is from you or otherwise. On Monday, the gentleman stopped into my business, asked me about these items. We reviewed them and I had to tell him, we can do them, and we'll be glad to do them, but we're going to have to have an extra 20%. He looked at me and says, you've got it. If you need more, just let me know. I knew at that time this is of God. As we proceeded through their account, and October drew to a close, not only had God provided the amount from last year, He provided an extra 10%, plus another 3% on top of that. I give all the praise and glory to God. And we would invite you. If you have any doubts, test the Lord. He will come through. He came through with us. I can't tell you in other circumstances, but I know He blessed us beyond our wildest dreams. We look forward to 2014 and beyond. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ Almighty. Hallelujah. See, that's the way the Lord works. When you return the silver cup, He takes it and multiplies it into your lives in so many other ways and measures. That's how good God is. Does everybody have your card fill out? Here's what we're going to do. When you come to church next Sunday, we're going to have a packet for you with your name on it. And it's going to have your address on it. 
and we're going to have a packet of information for also inside of every packet is going to be this book. We're buying books for everybody. So if you fill down a card, you're going to get this packet of information. This book in here says the generosity ladder, your next step to financial peace. Talks about how God's plan is to bless every single child of God so that you don't have to live under the weight of financial pressure. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just about making more money because you make more money, you spend more money, you still got the same pressure. It's about getting back to biblical principles. So for 90 days, at, in accordance to the word of God, where he said, prove me and see if I will not pour you out a blessing, I'm inviting you to go on a 90-day tithing challenge at First Pentecostal Church. Three things, 10% of your increase, the first fruits, and bring it to the house of God. You say, well, pastor, how do I do that? I had a lady over here when we put up this uh, digital giving. She was a greeter in the second floor. She said, pastor, I appreciate you putting that digital giving together. She said, well, the money can be pulled out of my check automatically. She said, I, I set all that up now through the kiosk, through online. You know, you can give through your iPad, you give through your iPhone. I mean, we make it easy for you. She said, I appreciate you doing that. Because she said, every time I used to get a paycheck, the devil used to fight me over it. And she said, now the devil can't fight me because it's gone before it gets in my hand. I said, whatever you got to do. Sometimes you got to protect yourself from yourself. But God will bless you and honor you. Fill out those cards. Once you have the card filled out, I want you to stand up. Ushers, come on down here. We're going to stand down here at the front. And uh, once you get your card all filled out, we're going to invite you to come forward and to put it here. We're going to all pray together as a church. And we're going to ask God's blessings and anointing upon the families and the homes. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you. If you become a part of this 90-day tithing challenge, you're going to see over the next three months incredible things happen. Like I said, if, if it doesn't happen, you come back and tell me, Preacher, I tried it, and it didn't work out. But I guarantee you that it will work out if you put God first. Amen. And as you get your card, just uh, come down and put it in one of these uh, bowls. Nobody's going to see it. They're going to wrap it all up in a rubber band. They're going to give it to myself and Sister Richie, our... Um, our um, uh, secretary that does all the counting and the assembling of it. Bring it down. Put it in here. Amen. God's going to bless you. This is going to be a powerful, powerful demonstration of God's faithfulness. Now you say, Pastor, how do you know? It's because the Word of God says to do it. That's why. The Word of God says to do it. If you will, He will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. So for 90 days, we're going to put God to the test. We're going to say, Lord, I'm going to return the silver cup back to you. I'm going to give you 10% of everything. If you've got to set it up on your iPad, you can do that. You can set it up on your iPhone. You can go to FPC Palm Bay forward slash give. If you're watching by internet, there's a digital card that you can fill out right there on your screen where you're at. And you can fill it out and you can tithe by internet if you're watching the services by internet. If you're being fed in this church by the ministry of this church, that's the storehouse. The Bible says, bring it into the storehouse and then he can bless it and multiply it in jesus name amen people are still coming hallelujah just keep coming fill out the card all we need is your address and your email address and we're gonna uh we're gonna begin to communicate with you by email you're gonna receive things in the mail and next sunday when you come we're gonna have a packet for you with your name and god is gonna bless you and honor you now folks this is not just about money this is about putting god to the test hallelujah and testing the word of god if we trust him with our salvation with where we're going to spend eternity don't you think we should trust god with our paycheck it's what the word of god says to do prove me and see if i will not pour you on a blessing that you cannot contain oh this is beautiful ushers ushers just stay down here amen why don't we all stand together right now as a church we're going to pray over these commitments right now in the name of jesus hallelujah Amen. We're going to pray right now. The Bible says to rebuke the devourer for his name's sake. The enemy would like to try to come in and steal everything out of your life and out of your heart and everything out of your job and your family and your joy and your strength and your vitality and your energy. He'd like to rob you of all of it. That's why this world that we live in is an over-medicated world. Everything is all about stimulants and antidepressants and take pills to get up and pills to come down and pills to wake up and pills to go to sleep. It's because of the world that we live in. There's so much hurt and pain. It's the devourer. 
He's devouring. The enemy is trying to devour our strength and our energy and our mind and cause us to live under stress and fear and worry. But that's not the plan of God. God said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've just got to make sure I return the silver cup back to him. And God, hallelujah, will bless everything that flows your hands right now Jesus name Jesus. Thank you for that word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're following your word, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for every individual that's made this commitment. I pray that there would be a covering upon their homes and their families. I pray our protection upon their children and their lives. We rebuke the devourer. Lord, let your angels encamp round about them. I pray, God, that this would be a revelation that would come into our lives and hearts, that we would begin to trust you and serve you and live for your principles and not according to our own understanding or our own thinking, but to put your word above, Lord, even our own opinions and ideas, and to say, God, I'll follow your word. I may not understand it all. I don't know how it's all going to work, but I will put your word to the test. I pray, God, that your hand would be upon those that have made this commitment. Those that have it, Lord, I pray you'd give them courage to join this 90-day commitment to put their lives into your hands and say, Lord, I trust you. If your word says it, Lord, I will do it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Before you leave this morning, if you'd like prayer for your body, if you're hurting in your body, I the Lord is in this place today. I want you to come forward. We're going to pray for you. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost or been baptized in Jesus' name, every time we have a service, we invite you to come forward and to be a part of what God wants to do in your heart. This altar is open right now. If you must go, God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock in Jesus' name. I hope that you have enjoyed today's message and the preaching of the Word of God. I'd like to invite you to join us on our website at www.fpcpalmbay.com. Many resources are available for you as well as a live streaming of our services here at First Pentecostal Church. Also, you can call our front office at 321-723-2030. And there we will join you in prayer for a special need that you may have. Also, you're more than welcome to be a part of a live service right here at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay, Florida. Now, God bless you as you continue in your journey with God until we meet again. Come on, put those hands together.